Hey, it's good to see you on this Tuesday morning or Tuesday evening, afternoon, whenever you may be listening to our Journey Through Scripture podcast. Hope you had a good weekend. Uh, my name is Philip Thomas, pastor of Journey here in Elgin, Texas, and uh, we are continuing our, our walk through the Scripture in, in chronological order. Uh, we, haven't, we haven't started throwing in multiple Scriptures yet. Uh, we will, uh, but we are into Deuteronomy. We've been following uh, God's uh, calling of a specific people group. Um, you know, and, and just kind of a, a quick refresher, remember how God uh, called Abraham. Abraham goes to the promised land. Uh, you have Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Uh, that they, Their family grows there, but then they end up in Egypt. Then they end up enslaved in Egypt. Then, then God brings them out of Egypt through Moses. Uh, he gives them the law. They have the opportunity to go into back into the promised land where Abraham uh, had settled hundreds of years before, uh, had the opportunity to go back, but they did not trust God. Uh, and so then they wandered for 40 years through the, uh, through the whole book of Numbers. We had them wandering for 40 years. Uh, now uh, we're getting to the end of that 40 years and they are preparing to go back in uh, to the promised land. Uh, Moses, uh, the book of Deuteronomy is kind of uh, if you will, a, a summary uh, of Moses and his uh, talking to the people, uh, encouraging uh, them. So there's a lot of repetition in Deuteronomy, but there's also a lot of uh, new things that we see as well. So today uh, we've we made it through uh, chapter 11. So now we are going to go through uh, chapters 12 through 15. So today will be chapters 12 through 15. So if you want to pause and, and read through those, Go ahead and do that now. All right, so chapter 12, uh, the, the title of this one, uh, and of course this wouldn't have been in the uh, original writing, but the title uh, now of chapter 12 is A Prescribed Place of Worship. All right, so uh, what the next uh, couple chapters are going to be talking about is just the importance of worshiping God and the relationship that the people have with God. Um, and it's obvious that, that God knows that one of the struggles uh, that the people are going to have is keeping their focus on him and not following other gods. Right, they are they are in the the midst of a of a time and a, and a place where people mo- worshipped multiple gods. Uh, they've already experienced that in Egypt. Uh, we saw how the people built the golden calf, you know, because they had different ideas of of different ways of worshiping gods. And the the norm was to worship many gods. Uh, but uh, the one true God was trying to make uh, monotheism uh, what is what is right and what is true, and He was wanted to do that through this people group. So they were going to be unique. Uh, well, being unique is a little overrated because when you're unique, it means everyone thinks you're weird, right? And so God knows that the people of Israel are going to be different and are going to to easily succumb to the temptation to be like everyone else, which would mean to worship other gods. So there's some, there's going to be some, some harsh, <laughs> uh, again, cultural things, uh, but they, they are um, really emphasizing the importance of always worshiping the one true God and not worshiping idols, not straying from our relationship with God. So there in chapter 12, 
Uh, it talks about whenever they go into the land, it's in verse 2, it says, You shall utterly destroy all the places where the nations uh, which you shall d- dispossess serve their gods, on the high mountains, on the hills, and under every green tree, uh, and destroy their altars, break their sacred pillars, burn their wooden images with fire. You shall cut down the carved images of the gods and destroy their name from that place. You shall not, wor- uh, you shall not worship the Lord your God with such things. So it's saying you've got to get rid of of all of those other ways of worship. Um, it, is, it was very important for the people to do that. Um, I, I love verse 8. We're going to see uh, some, com- uh, some contrasting statements uh, here in uh, these few chapters. Verse 8 uh, says, You shall not uh, at all do as you are doing here today, every man doing what is right in his own eyes. All right, so... There, there's this going to be this contrast between the the normal state, the state that we are whenever we are not engaged in a relationship with God, is that we do what is right in our own eyes. Um, I I think that's that's always that's important for us to think about. If you, that's kind of the root of all sin, right? Is is humanity doing what is right in their own eyes, not seeking to do what is right in God's eyes. And so, so what Moses is doing here is he is talking to the people. He's saying, as we uh, go and receive this inheritance that God is giving us, uh, we can no longer do what is right in our own eyes. We are now committed, and we are committing ourselves to doing what is right in God's eyes and God's eyes only. As you read through chapter 12, uh, it, it talks about... Um, 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 sacrifices and giving those and kind of how to handle those. But when you get to the very end, uh, it says in verse 28, observe and obey all these words, which I command you that it may go well with you and your children after you forever. When you do what is good and right in the sight of the Lord, your God. All right. So here's that, that it, we started off a few verses earlier said, You've been doing what is right in your own eyes, but now what we need to be moving to is doing what is right in your own eyes. And, or, excuse me, doing what is right in the eyes of God. And I, I thought this one was interesting because we, you know, nearly everyone, whether you believe in God or not, uh, likes the promises of God. We would love for the promises of God to, to come true. Right, and we would love to for things to go well with us and our family, um, and and so many times we we read the Bible and we find scriptures that talk about these wonderful promises. Right, like you could start this one says, "Observe and obey all these words which I command you, that it may go well with you and your children after you forever." So God wants it to go well with us and our children forever after. Right, it says. But what we like to throw out is the next little qualifier. It says, when you do what is good and right in the sight of Lord your God. Right? <laughs> so if you're going to go about doing things uh, that are right in your own eyes, guess what? It may not go as good as you would like it for it to <laughs> for you and for your children. Right? There, there is a requirement that we seek to do what is good and what is right. 
If, if you're living your life not doing, not seeking to do what is good, not seeking to do what is right, eventually things are not going to go well for you. And that's not because God doesn't care for you. It doesn't mean that God's promises aren't true. It's because you are seeking to do things your own way rather than seeking to do things God's way. And, and we have this nasty habit as humans that our default and our strongest desire is to do things our own way. And part of understanding who God is and, and, and worshiping God is that we get to that place where we say, no, I'm going to do what is good and what is right in God's eyes, not in the world's eyes around me. So we see that. We see the end of chapter 12, uh, again, just continues to emphasize being, uh, be aware of, of false gods. Uh, verse 31, it says, you shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abomination to the Lord, which he hates, they have done to their gods. For they burn even their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. Whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it nor take away from it. Right? So again, God is comparing himself to these other religions, these other faiths, and the way that uh, people had gone about uh, practicing those faiths. They were an abomination. There is evidence of child sacrifice. Uh, we do see that uh, you know, throughout archaeology. Um, there, there were some really horrific things going on, and God was making a clear uh, um, a separation from that way of worshiping. And he was emphasized this to the people over and over and over again. Verse thir- or chapter 13 is, is one that's really tough for us because it talks about taking people out and stoning them. All right. You know, again, there, there are some cultural things. We, we don't necessarily see that this was ever practiced, but one of the things that we see in scripture is whenever the punishment is death, you should pay attention to what the, the crime that causes that is. That's the biggest takeaway for us today, right? It's not that we necessarily have to follow, uh, the, the way that the punishment, uh, was doled out then, uh, but, but the crime still uh, makes a difference. And this one is, is tough, and it should kind of make us squirm a little bit. Uh, uh, verse 6 says, If your brother, the son of your mother, or your son or daughter, the wife of your bosom, or your friend who is at your own soul, secretly entices you, saying, Let us go serve other gods which you have not known, neither yours nor the Father, uh, then it basically says, Stone them. <laughs> Woo! Right? It's like, yeah, that... That took an interesting turn, right? But it really doesn't. If you read all of this, uh, it's it's not like God isn't warning the people of of the importance and of the danger of worshiping other gods. And it does make a a very critical point that our God is not our family. Our God is the one true God who instituted the family to be a wonderful support system and it's the foundational building block of society so the family is obviously extremely important but it is not as important as worshiping the one true god and so even if your family is trying to pull you away from worshiping the one true god i would recommend not stoning them but (laughs) you better not follow them either 
right? This is extremely important. And uh, right before that in verse 5, uh, when we see this, this phrase uh, happens quite often through these um, chapters. It says, so you shall put away the evil from your midst. Uh, this, again, idea of good and evil is very important for us. And, and the, the ways of the world many times slip off, can cross that line to be evil. And worshiping other gods and practicing uh, uh, other, other you know, traditions like uh, the, the people we're going to be encountering, that was evil. God is calling that evil, and you never take a step towards evil. Right? And, and so I think that's, it's vital for us to, to kind of wrestle with that. How does that apply for us today? Because honestly, I would say most people, uh, most Christians um, will believe that um, that there's just as much truth or validity to other religions than just Christianity. Um, I think I think we better be really careful with that. It doesn't mean that uh, that we seek to destroy or to silence or anything like that. Um, but we better be careful that we are focused on worshiping the one true God and that we're not being led astray by kind of what's popular now because because what in society what is popular now is believe whatever you want to believe right it's it's all equally valid your truth is what is most important um i I think that's the idols of our day and and we need to be careful that we don't fall down uh, that that road it says uh at the end of chapter 13 um kind of sums this up again we're you know dealing with with people who are leading you away from worshiping God. It says, because you have listened to the voice of the Lord your God to keep all of his commandments, which I command you today, to do what is right in the eyes of the Lord your God. Again, emphasizing uh, that. Uh, Chapter 14 goes uh, into uh, kind of clean and unclean. It talks about uh, mourning. Uh, it says, you shall not cut yourselves or shave the front of your head uh, for the dead. I thought that's interesting because, you know, there are kind of some traditions uh, that people made a big deal when they were in mourning. Um, you know, God is saying, don't, you don't do that. You, you grieve, you mourn, but then you move on um, and you, you don't draw attention to yourself uh, as you are grieving, um, gets down to chapter or verse 22. Um, interesting, just kind of randomly, all of a sudden, so, some basic tithing principles. I, I did want to, to bring something out here. It says, you shall tr- truly tithe uh, all the increase of your grain that the field produces year by year, and you shall eat before the Lord your God in the place where he chooses to make his name abide. Uh, the tithe of your grain and your new wine and your oil, the firstborn of your herds and your flocks that you may learn to fear the Lord your God always. See, that to me is the essence of tithing. Uh, one thing that we talk about here on Sunday morning whenever we're taking the offering is it's, it's, it's not just about collecting money. It's about stewardship, about using and recognizing all that we have as God's. And, and the tithe, it's not so much uh, that you tithe just to make the pastor rich or to build a new building or whatever. It's because you are acknowledging that money, your possessions, are not your God. It teaches us to fear the Lord. It, it helps us in our relationship with Him. 
Um, and, uh, and that's been misused so often by a lot of preachers and a lot of pastors. And, uh, and we have to be careful, but the purpose behind the tithe is really between you and God. It has nothing to do with anything else. It's about developing that fear and that trust and that relationship that God desires for us to have with him. So uh, chapter 15 uh, goes in to kind of reiterates how the debts are supposed to be canceled. Remember, we've, we've talked about that before. Uh, again, an, in, uh, an emphasis on being generous to the poor. One, one thing, and we see this throughout Scripture, we've already seen it before, but verse 11 says, For the poor will never cease from the land. Therefore I command you, saying, You shall open your hand wide to your brother, to your poor, your needy uh, in the land. Um, it is important for us to realize that there's always going to be uh, an element of those who are poor, who there, there's going to be different levels of, of economics, uh, of, of, of all of that. And, and we do have to be careful that um, we don't start thinking, well, if we just changed this or did it this way, then there, no one would be poor. That's just not how a, a, a fallen world works. There, there's always going to be that. So we should, should seek to minimize it, yes. Uh, but understand there's always going to be some of those challenges and we need to be aware of them and we need to be reaching out and doing what we can and showing uh, sympathy and, and compassion to those uh, who, are, who are suffering. Uh, but, but it is important to know that because we live in a fallen world, that's never going to be fixed completely. Um, and, and some, some people I think kind of get, get on the extremes that feel like, well, if we changed the economic system and tweaked it here and there, that we could get rid of all of these problems. It's just, that's not a reality because we live in a fallen world. We live in a sinful world. All right, we're going to stop there. Uh, we're going to go 16 to 21 um, next time on Thursday. So if you have a chance, read uh, chapters 16 to 21. And uh, we look forward to seeing you on Thursday. Have a great couple days.